Welcome to Screen Studies with Justin and Deja. I'm Deja. And I'm Justin. So if you guys are here, hopefully you already know the jazz, but we study things on the screen. We just have conversations largely about film and television, but just about pretty much anything you can encounter that might impact you, that might work with some different narratives. And we're having a good time while we do it. I'm having a good time. So if you're listening to this, this will be episode two, I'm assuming. In episode one, we just talked about failure and the millennial experience <laughs> and all about, we talked about Payment Tommy, we crashed, we talked about the dropout and all that stuff. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please watch this one first and then go list, listen to that one. Because I feel like we have some good things to say. What do you think, Deja? I 100% think so. And... It's kind of, it'll be interesting, whichever order people watch it in, if they watch the first and then the second, if they watch this and bounce back, because what we're going to talk about today is very idealistic. It doesn't have that kind of sense of like sinking failure or uh, (laughs) any of that that we talked about in some of those startup and based on a true story miniseries. We're talking about Seventh Heaven, which Justin hasn't watched. Um... Never seen it. Never even heard of it until this podcast. Honestly, it's so... That makes me so happy to hear it. So what do you know about Seventh Heaven coming in? Literally nothing. I'm I'm Literally nothing. I'm assuming that it has to do with church. And um, maybe Seventh Heaven. So this came out in what, 90s? 1996. Okay, so this is about a white family. (laughs) 100%. This is about a white family. They're trying to learn how to be better people something something like that yeah and i feel like there's going to be some shenanigans you know there's gonna be it's about it's about a dad that wants to get to know his family better and says look son not everything is seventh heaven and then the the intro i i don't know what i'm talking about honestly you I mean, you're not far off. So it is a drama. It started on the WB. Mm. I have to tell you some of the stats for the show. It is the longest running series on the network. It ran the entire time. And then when it merged with UPN to become CW, Seventh Heaven was one of the few shows that continued and it had its last season. Its last episode was in 2007. So it had 11 seasons. 1997 2007 yeah oh that's a degrassi longest running family sitcom uh in the entire history of the network what and it like it had an emmy award nomination in 1997 for art direction for a series so it was it was out there it was winning it was making money um even in its final season where ratings dropped it still had 3.3 million viewers on average they're, that's the real case of they don't make them like they used to or people literally don't watch tv like they used to there's also just the part of like there were less channels <laughs> yep but, pretty much i mean at its highest i think one episode got like 20 it got 12.5 million views in one episode one night jesus yeah, absolutely so it follows an american family good apple pie type family oh i was right i was right yeah. um led by their father Who's a reverend? Wait, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and at the start of the series, it's called Seventh Heaven because there's seven in the family. So it is Eric Camden, the father, uh, Annie, the mother, and then their five kids. 
So with that, I'm going to leave you to watch the uh, the trailer, and then you can oh, give no. us your reactions. 7th Heaven TV trailer seasons 1 and 2, posted by Leslie Summer. Thank you, Leslie, if you're listening. Thank you, Leslie. 7th Heaven. She's pre- pause, pause, pause. The trailer just said that she's this guy. Okay, let me describe to you what happened. So this girl, this white girl, she steals a cup, and it's like when some something happens, and then her brother gets blamed for stealing the cup, and then this white old white guy's like, "I'm pressing charges," and I'm like, "Whoa, what? Over a cup?" Depending on who you're seeing on the screen, that might be a young Jessica Biel who played uh, their oldest daughter. No way. There's no way that's Jessica Biel. If you are seeing a teen girl, it's almost definitely Jessica Biel. Cup stealer, Jessica Biel. (laughs) So, this guy, this kid, this is like, he comes into the living room, he throws his coat on the couch, and he's like, and dad says, I would appreciate it if you cut me some slack. And the kid's like, why don't you cut me some slack? Over a cup? Jeez, okay. Wait, what? And then she's like, what if they send you to jail? What? Why are we going to jail over a cup, Deja? Why are we going to jail over a cup? Yeah, the series has a strong moral stance, I'll say. Over a cup? Jeez! Okay. <laughs> Seventh Heaven, you know, so there's the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, to give a little bit more information, the family structure. Eric and Annie Camden, husband and wife, they are like the perfect apple pie vision of the leads of a nuclear family. Uh, Eric works as a reverend, and Annie is a stay at home mom, because of course. Of course. They have uh, their oldest son, Matt Camden, who is a little bit of a, a little bit of a rebel from time to time. Oh, he has but, a long bad boy hair. Of right? course he's a rebel. Exactly. But at the end of the day, he's a very, very like important sibling. He more or less sticks with his family's, you know, stances on things. Then they have Mary Camden, who's played by Jessica Beale, their oldest daughter. Um she a lot of her conflicts are just like she wants to date and then they're like that guy gives me bad energy they wouldn't say that though that's not it's not christian enough um (laughs) then they have simon and ruthie camden who are the younger two and right in the middle is lucy camden Mm, okay very typical middle child so you have this family and every single episode works like like clockwork something happens it's usually a misunderstanding uh and then the parents give their kids a stern talking to and their kids always defer to their parents in the end because that's what good kids do some of the issues that they cover include um really really often teen pregnancies (gasps) such as (gasps) marijuana we can't say this we can't say this on the pod (laughs) going out after curfew um all of these things it's it's giving this very christian white suburban middle class 
nuclear family view of the world where mm-hmm. everything things happen but they can get solved by a stern talking to so i largely for this episode i want to tell you some things that happen in the series and let you react and then tell you kind of some of the broad broad strokes of this show that i find okay. so interesting and why i can't look away in the first episode uh, matt and mary camden are playing basketball outside. Those are the oldest two siblings. Mm-hmm. And Mary asked Matt if they can kiss. Because she wants Wait. to practice for when she gets to kiss real boys. Wait. Wait. What? So you're going to sit here and tell me this is all Christian white bread family. And that is incest it's not treated as incest it's truly just treated as mary camden really wants her first kiss and she wants to practice with her brother no there's no like questions there's no like interrogating that um actually their dad catches them he comes outside to take out the trash and he sees them and all that needs to be said is the son goes it's not what it looks like dad he goes i sure hope so that's it. Oh, no! No! Absolutely. No! <laughs> no! No! There's no There's no way. There's no way that happened. First Hold episode. On. This is how they're starting. <laughs> oh, there is no... There is no way. There. Am I being fact-checked? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna look this shit up. Just sent the link in oh, the chat. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. Are you forcing me to watch... <laughs> I am. I'm forcing you to watch incest. <laughs> oh no! And the music. <laughs> so no, no, no. No, 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 no. Okay. For some reason, there are 14,000 views on that video. No! No. No, 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 no. Like, okay. They weren't... (laughs) You know what? Link this in the show notes, whatever. (laughs) Link this video in the show notes. Because I'm looking... Okay, they weren't that close. There's at least a good two feet between them. So I'm like, phew. Do they okay, Gatasia, do they actually kiss in the episode? After the dad catches them, we know that he leaves and then it just doesn't it doesn't really follow up on it. You're kidding. It doesn't. So there's two things about this that are again, I'm obsessed with this show now. Because without necessarily meaning to, it reveals so many of the like things implicit in the white, middle-class, nuclear family, American dream image. Mm -hmm. And one of them is that throughout the entire series, Mary and Matt serve as, like, a replication of their parents. Mm. It's like, they kind of help with the raising of the younger kids. And they, like, enforce a lot of the order within the house alongside their parents. And so, in that way, they act more as husband and wife throughout the series than as brother and sister in the way that this immediately kind of reveals that from the first episode blows my mind. It just immediately puts them right in that position. 
And then what's crazy is when Matt isn't acting like a husband to Mary, he's acting like another father to her. As the episode mm. continues, he pulls his parents aside and talks to them and says that he thinks Mary is trying to move too fast. She wants to start kissing boys now. She has a guy she wants to invite over. He tends to intervene whenever she wants to get a boyfriend, start dating somebody new, anything like that. He intervenes. So there's a very weird, very gross dichotomy where Matt is both a husband to Mary a brother to marry, literally, and a father to marry, all at once. The levels of patriarchy there are are too much to unpack. What? Okay, so what is what exactly are we studying on the screen, Deja? Are we studying incest? We're studying. <laughs> we're studying the like low key weirdness of of this American <laughs> dream. It. By completely, I mean, if you look at, like, throughout the history of the show, if there's one thing, like, conservative white parents love this show. Like, it has been cited as the, like, one of the top most family-friendly shows. Mm, A show where, like, the two oldest siblings try to kiss in episode one. This is their dream. This is what they want things to be like. And I feel like I'm just learning about the conservative imagination and the conservative dream just by watching this. What the heck? Okay, so I think there. Um, okay, how do I how do I say this as nice as possible? You know what I mean? Have you noticed? I, I, this reminds me of like slightly. There has been an uptick in conservative movies. That I've seen, you know, or just conservative media. In here's my example. Here, it's time for Justin's tinfoil hat section again. So this what this reminds me of is there's that one movie where it's dog starring Channing Tatum, mm-hmm. and there's that one movie where it's like this guy who's like a football player, and his wife is really it's the guy who plays Shazam. Zachary Levi, he becomes a football player. What's what's? what's I did that? not know that existed. Okay, so I, I'm da- I like to live dangerously, and I still go to the movies because <laughs> uh, I live in Ohio, and you know, uh, I, I'm I'm pre- I'm always confident. It's called American Underdog, right? Okay. I'm pretty confident that I don't have to sit next to buddy at the, in the movies during a pandemic, right? That is very fair. So, American Underdog, dog, or these stories where specifically white men, like you said, are being placed in these father, husband, brother roles. And it's like, this is their responsibility. And it's your turn to take this mantle. You know what I mean? That's what I'm noticing more of. This is what this reminds me of. I don't know. Maybe it's because a lot of conservatives were still going to the movies during a pandemic. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I totally you know? agree, though, because there's this sense that in order for Matt to grow into a man, he has to take on these roles. But it's really mm. like, he's a kid. And also, that's his sister. You know, like, he doesn't actually have these responsibilities, but it kind of shows that whether it's father or husband or brother, 
in the like conservative imagination and like the conservative vision of what a family is, all of those are rooted in the same thing. And it's this kind of like control and power and position that men are supposed to be in. So Matt gets to kind of walk those lines because they're the same thing. Okay, okay. So so what what would you say makes a conservative story, Deja? What are the elements that make Seventh Heaven a conservative story? The same way that we feel like American Underdog isn't a conservative story. You know what I mean? I feel like Seventh Heaven is more direct, which actually mm-hmm. brings me to the next part that I want to talk to you about. Um, episode five, star, you'll never guess. Guess what black actress is in this show? Beyonce. No, that would be insane. Okay. Um, Taraji P. Henson think like mid 90s they're still like pretty young they're they haven't had like the big breakout yet but they're about to jada jada no. pinkie smith that was a good guess though gab union no <laughs> wait let me guess let me guess the plot the the the, the son <laughs> the son falls in love with gabrielle union and the dad is like, "Are you sure, son? She's a she's a colored." And, <laughs> and it's like, "But daddy, I love her." And it's like, "Hey, we need to be careful because we treat everyone the same way here at Seventh Heaven." And they like make some potato salad wrong, and she's like, "Oh, oh, 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 Seventh Heaven." That is actually similar to a different episode of Seventh Heaven. Where uh, Matt Somebody befriends a girl who's a pregnant teen. And they're like, are you sure you want to be hanging around that type of person? And then mm. they, like, make her dinner. <laughs> so you knew you, it! You get the fabric of the show. The episode with Gab Union, she, is, she plays something Hamilton. Can't remember her name, honestly. But her parents are uh, pastors at a local black church. And it gets burned down. Oh, no. Yeah. And so the family, for the sake of their safety, is staying with the Camdens for a while until everything gets figured out and settled. Um, And immediately, the Camden children and the, I think it's Hamilton, Hamilton children, have just kind of some tension, let's call it. Sexual tension? I... I wish. It was racial tension. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You got me excited. You know, when you're editing this episode, when I say sexual t- sexual tension, boom, boom. Exactly. I was immediately like, music in this <laughs> But what that episode does that I think is kind of the thing with all of these is it's it's a fiction it's a complete fiction where christian values mean that you would immediately step in for your neighbor even though these are very clearly white conservative people that there's no real there's nothing that being nice to each other can't solve Mm. so in the end of the episode they combine their church services and they have a huge church service outside and everyone's there and everyone's clapping and i'm sitting there thinking did you you know that their church got burned down by racist, right? Like, <laughs> like, they're not okay right now. 
they need they need to be protected. They need help. But actually, mm-hmm. what they need is to sing together and to clap Jesus. together. <laughs> and I think, besides the heavy-handed emphasis on Christian values, it's been called literally Christian propaganda. The sorts of things that it looks at as moral wrongs, like marijuana. It its depiction of alcoholism involves uh, their aunt, who is an alcoholic, grabbing young, like nine-year-old Simon Cand- Camden by the shirt and shaking him and demanding the keys to their liquor cabinet. Everything is extreme. Everything has to be like its own moral evil, so that the Camden's Christian values get to be the moral good. Mm. And it has to reoccur over and over again. There's not really a, there's no gray area for people to like have done something wrong, but they're not a bad person. To not be a Christian, but still have a strong set of values that guides them. The only way to be in this series is to be a white middle class Christian. Or their best friend, who's a black cop who shows up sometimes. Oh, no. (laughs) Why why are television shows so obsessed with black cops? I mean... Have you noticed that? My aunt... I, I think it started in, like, the 70s. But my answer is just that. I think people are very convinced that all we need is woke policing. Uh, you know what? That's a that's an episode for another that's day. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> the, no, we don't have enough audience to get canceled yet. Audience <laughs> zero. <laughs> um, I think what you're what you're alluding to about how this family is like the backbone. Like, they can't be wrong, or they can't be nuanced, or there's no room for nuance. I think that's a trait of conservative storytelling, and that there is no room for nuance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I guess the opposition or the disagreement has to be made into the extreme bad guy for it to make sense. Mm-hmm. To fit into their moral superiority. You know what yeah. I mean? Like... You know, it's not just that they have to be alcoholics or a pregnant teen. They have to be <laughs> shaking children, yeah. demanding alcohol. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like, I mean, it also kind of just, it directly reflects like what conservatives say are wrong and how they like to handle wrongs. Mm. Uh, like I, I saw something this week from like a defense lawyer who's a public defender and was like, I've defended like so many theft crimes. Nobody ever just steals because they want to. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) People steal because they need something. It may not be the literal physical thing they take, but it's the money they can get from selling it. Nobody wants to steal. And I think similarly, like, you know, a more left view of crime would say like, there are causes there. There's cause and effect here. Like Mm -hmm. when, when you see a teen pregnancy, did that person have access to contraception? Did they have adequate sex ed? Yeah. And now that they are pregnant, do they have the support they need? This show is like, yeah, it's bad. And therefore, that person needs to be punished. Mm. Well, actually, for, for that, he, he just reunites her with her ex-boyfriend who was previously in jail. And it's a happy ending because it's a nuclear family. Like, getting back to the Christian nuclear family is the only goal. If you can't do that, you have to be sent away. You have to go to the rehab clinic. You have to go to jail. They have to call their best friend, Black Cop. 
you just have to be disappeared. There's no cause and effect. Mm, okay, so is there a good version of this story or this type of story? Like is a there family story? A or... family story where fam the value of family is important. Is there a good version of that story? Really upset by what comes to mind. Uh-oh. What comes to mind immediately is the Cosby show. <gasps> oh no. I Are we talking about the Cosby show? Oh I no. I not I can't watch it now. Because I just <laughs> it's it's impossible. Like I can't get my brain to just relax enough. Oh, but that show gosh. while it was on it it did what it was supposed to do. Besides that, what comes to mind are found family shows. Mm, I think okay. they do a really good job. Maybe because it's like, it's already having to think outside the box. It can't mm. really make assumptions about what family means and what values it should have. I think a lot of found family shows do that really well. I'm struggling to think, do you have family shows that come up where like the unit of the family and the values they have are important without kind of opposing this giant good versus evil? Uh, where family values are the center and they don't, like, excommunicate people that they don't agree with? You could say Full House did that. Because they became a part of the family. Then again... It's like, they had to extend the definition of, like, family. They couldn't... I can't think of something with a nuclear family that really does that. Encanto? Maybe. Maybe. I think I think in Kanto's like it, it Actually, the story's kind of the transition from what okay, they, okay. how they treated Bruno to there you go. Oh Yeah, okay, ooh. so they do excommunicate people who they disagree with, but the story is about bringing Bruno back and bringing the collection of the family, you know what I mean? Yeah. And righting those wrongs and how we harm other people. In Kanto That's <laughs> no people can't see us we are clapping we are snapping this is that so there you go your shot is any given episode of seventh heaven your chaser is in Kanto, and you can close <laughs> it out with your favorite found family show don't go watching the cosby show we don't need that oh man one day we'll talk about the cosby show one day one day we'll put ourselves through that <laughs> I like it. I like this. This I think Encanto is a good, yeah, fit not a fix, but like, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Uh, answer to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And how family can hurt each other, and uh, how the family union can hurt other people. You know what I mean? But hey, that's an episode for another day. We have a lot of episodes for another day. I think we both just like talking about media a lot. And that's not a bad thing. That's it's certainly not, not a bad thing. So, is this the end of the discussion, Deja? I I think it is. I think... Because if I went into all the crazy episodes, we'd be here all day. Um, but I think we we kind of see what what can go wrong when the nuclear family's really invested in conservatism. I think exactly. That's yeah. So, Deja, where can people find you on the internet? Absolutely. Uh, Where can, can they send those me. complaints? <laughs> I'll, I'll take the complaints for this week. Um, so you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and of course TikTok at Deja Talks TV. 
And uh, as always, I believe in you. I love you. And you're more than your last mistake. So, Justin, where can people find you? You can find me wherever toys are sold. Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Freddy's Roommates. And as always, do better. <laughs>